Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. This morning, it's a real privilege to be able to have Pastor Jason Ellsmore with us. We introduced him just a moment ago. He leads Gateway Baptist Church and is also the leader of the Queensland Baptist Movement, a movement of 220 churches. It's a really special thing to have him here on this day. And so would you please stand to your feet this morning and put your hands together for Pastor Jason as he comes. Thank you. Please be seated. Hey, it is a real privilege to be here this morning on your eighth anniversary as a church and first anniversary uh, in this building. I love seeing the vision that God puts in someone's heart become a reality. And I just want to just pause just for a minute and uh, just honour Doug and Marty and those that have been here right from the very beginning and uh, been part of seeing this vision. Uh, become a reality. It's astonishing uh, what God's already done here, but who knows God's got more to do here than what you've ever uh, dreamed of. And uh, real privilege, because it's been a privilege for Susan and I uh, to get to know Dan and Elise over the last uh, 12 months. They've been an encouragement to us and to our movement already. Do you know that you have wonderful pastors here at, uh, at MCC? These guys... These guys have a deep love for Jesus, a love for you, a love for the people living in those houses out there. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a deep humility, but a real faith and a confidence in the power of the gospel to transform this community. Can I encourage you, pray for these guys, get behind these guys, cheer them on, because God's got something really good for this church and uh, for this community. Just put your hands together, just honour them. Uh, just one more time. Hey, I want to ask you uh, this morning, when is the last time that you were truly astonished? When's the last time you were truly astonished? I find it astonishing that I'm actually old enough to be a grandpa. Uh, There might be a photo of my grandkids uh, coming up uh, on the screen. Others of you are looking at me going, no, no, it looks pretty obvious. You're old enough to be a grandpa. (laughs) But uh, I I don't feel old enough to be a grandpa. These are our our two beautiful uh, grandkids. My big dream for the future, besides seeing revival in our nation, in our generation, is that uh, one day I will be standing in a big swimming arena and I'll hear over the loudspeaker, swimming in lane seven is Aurelia from Australia. You know, our granddaughter's name is is Aurelia and so I throw her in the pool whenever I can and uh, I'm teaching her to swim because, you know, the Olympics is coming to Brisbane. She may be a child uh, prodigy and our our daughter gave, you know, our first grandchild, this beautiful Spanish princess name, uh, Aurelia and then our first grandson came along and what do they call him? Freddy. (laughs) I mean, we... We love Freddie already, but uh, it is, um, it is a, I find it astonishing. I'm old enough to be a grandpa. I'm astonished by uh, my family. I've got a son. If you have a look at the next photo, I've got a son who uh, actually won a national hip-hop championship. 
You know, I am so terrible at dancing that I tried to pay somebody else to do my own bridal waltz for me. You know, and my son, you know, he, he's got a body that can move. You know, my, uh, my youngest daughter, Bronte, she sings like an angel. I am the worst singer in Australia. Did anyone think they're here that they might compete with me? You know, you, you've got a pastor who can sing. I've heard he's got a voice. You know, his wife fell in love with him because she heard him, you know, singing on stage many, many uh, years ago. This pastor uh, cannot sing. I find it astonishing that, you know, my daughter, who just seems like only yesterday she was a teenager throwing her own tantrums, now is a mother of uh, two children. You know, I'm astonished by my family. I'm astonished by technology. You know, my eldest daughter says to me, Dad, you, you never post about me on Instagram. And uh, so I was watching her win her grand final, netball grand final uh, last year and she came straight up to me at the end and said, Dad, this is Insta-worthy. And so I took a uh, quick selfie and uh, I sitting down writing a post for my daughter and her friends gather around me and says, you've got to tag Jess in the post. And I said, I don't know how. And they all, you know, nearly wet their pants laughing. They didn't know how to tag someone in a post. Does anybody else here not know how to tag someone in an Instagram post? Come and see me later. It's astonishing what I can do with technology. You know, as, as we read through the Gospels, we actually see people are astonished by Jesus all the time. People are constantly astonished by Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus just finished the Sermon on the Mount and those teachings have actually transformed the Western world that we live in. Our freedoms, our justice system, our values of all people were shaped by that teaching on the side of a hill 2,000 years ago. But 2,000 years ago, nobody had heard this kind of teaching before. And so after they hear all of Jesus' teaching, it says they are astonished in Matthew chapter 7 because he taught with someone uh, like someone with authority. They'd never heard it before. And then the disciples are out on a boat, Matthew chapter 8. These verses might come up on the screen. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. Disciples are out on a boat, big storm comes up and the, the disciples are scared. They think they're going to die and they think that Jesus does, doesn't care. And so finally they wake Jesus up and say, don't you care that we're about to drown here? And Jesus kind of gets up from his slumber, looks around and, and says to the wind and the waves, be still. And they were. And the disciples look at one another and they say, who is this man? They were absolutely astonished. They'd not seen anything like this before. You know, there's four friends and they've got a, uh, a mate who's never been able to walk. His legs have never worked and they heard Jesus was in town. He's been healing people. And so they, they carry their friend on a mat to Jesus. When they get there, everybody else has heard about Jesus and the house is packed. And so they climb up on Peter's roof and they decide to dig a hole through his roof to lower their friend down to Jesus. Do you notice in that story, it never says how Peter felt about a jolly big hole, you know, in, in his roof. But, you know, they lower, you know, their mate down on, on a mat 
And this guy who got lowered down on a mat because his legs never worked after meeting Jesus stands up, picks up his mat and he walks out the door. And everybody in the room, come on, say it with me, was astonished. astonished. They're going, we've never seen anything like this before. Just one more story. In Matthew uh, chapter 9, Jesus walking along, two blind guys call out and, uh, you know, ask for healing and Jesus makes the blind see. And then there's a guy who's possessed by a demon who hasn't been able to speak and Jesus casts the demon out of him and sets him free and enables him to speak and all the people on the side of the road gather around and they were absolutely astonished because they'd never seen anything like this before in Israel. You read through the Gospels. People are astonished by Jesus all the time. The Greek word is the word thamazo. If you've got an old King James Bible uh, this morning, it'll actually translate thamazo marveled. If you've got a, a new, new international version, it'll translate thamazo amazed. If you've got an old new international version, it'll translate thamazo astonished. I just happen to like the word astonished, so I'm going with astonished this morning. But it's the same word, it's thamazoed. And right throughout the Gospels, people are looking at all that Jesus did and they are absolutely thamazoed. They are uh, astonished. I don't know about you, but I am still astonished by Jesus all the time. I'm astonished that the one who fashioned the world with his hands would actually clothe himself in flesh and become one of us. You know, I'm astonished that the one who cast stars into orbit would enter our orbit and cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. You know, I'm astonished that he who knew no sin would become sin for you and me so that we could become the righteousness of God. Come on, is anybody else in this room astonished by Jesus? Read through the Gospels, people are astonished by Jesus all the time. But there's only two times in the Gospels that Jesus is astonished at other people. There's two times in the Gospels that Jesus is thamazoed. The first one is in, uh, in Matthew chapter 8. Let me just read a bit of the story. It says, When Jesus had ended Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralysed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but you just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. I'm just going to read a little bit more of that in a minute, but just let me pause here. Let me just unpack who this centurion is. The centurion is an officer in the Roman army and is, he's called a centurion because he's got a hundred soldiers that work for him. All right? And he's quite a wealthy man. He, he actually got paid 20 times the normal soldier's wage. All right? So he's an officer, he, he's got power, he, he has got uh, wealth. He's got power and he's got authority. You know, he's a law keeper. 
He's actually there, you know, under Roman authority to, to uphold Roman law in Capernaum. He's there to be a peacekeeper. He is to keep the peace of Rome, to stop any little uprisings, you know, in this, this area, you know, from getting out of control. You know, he's, he's an officer, he's got power and he's got authority, he, he's got wealth, he, he's there to, uh, to, to keep the law and to keep the peace. You only had to look at him and see that he had power and authority. He had a fancy metal tunic that the other soldiers uh, didn't have. He had a short stick the other soldiers didn't have so he could whack anybody he wanted to uh, with it. He, he had a different sword to all of the other soldiers and he had a ridiculous looking helmet on his head. It, it, it was a helmet that would have been very handy in magpie season in southeast Queensland. <laughs> When you were riding your bike, you know, down the road, you know, Graham up here before, you know, talked about that little thing called a pandemic, the COVID that we went through. I know it's a dim, distant memory, but there was a time in Brisbane anyway, when the only time you were allowed to go outside was to go and buy groceries or to exercise. I tell you, I've never exercised so much in my entire life, just to just to get out, you know, outside. One day I remember riding my uh, bike uh, down the road, and I hadn't, you know, dusted it off, hadn't ridden it for quite some time, just riding leisurely down the road, and bang on the back of my head, and I turn around, this magpie, you know, uh, uh, attacking me. I'm thinking, I really could have used that centurion's helmet, you know, riding down the road. The next day, I decided riding was no good for my health, and, and so I decided to go for a run and I'm running along the waterfront near uh, uh, in, in the Redlands area where, where we live and I'm only about a kilometre in and this, I just see this old couple with an even older dog and they're getting attacked from the skies by a plovers. These plovers are just dive-bombing from the sky. And I really could have used that centurion stick, you know, to go and help this couple. All I had was the hat on my head. And I'm madly waving this hat around, trying to scare these plovers off and help these, you know, old people move on from danger. And so day two, I decided running's no good for my health either. And so day three, I decided to go for a swim. I kid you not, you know, I, I am swimming up, you know, to the... The, first, the end of the pool to do my first turn and I'm just about to, to hit the, the wall and I just feel this whack on the back of my head and I get up and I'm thinking someone has dived in from the other end of the pool, mistimed their dived and kicked me in the head. But I, mean, I look around and there's nobody there. And so I just keep swimming. I swim back to the other end and I'm getting back up to the end, you know, where someone kicked me. Once again, I'm one stroke out from the wall, whack, in the back of, of my head. And I look up and this time on the edge of the pool, there's a mother duck sitting there <laughs> protecting her chicks. And every time I'm getting up near her nest, she's dive bombing me in the pool. On day three, I was happy to have that centurion sword. I was ready to shish kebab that dark. <laughs> it's a ridiculous looking helmet that this dude was wearing, but no one dared say a word because this guy had real power and he had real authority. He had wealth. He had direct connections to Caesar. 
And yet he's got a servant at home that's actually become like family to him because he wasn't allowed to have his own family. And this servant's become a very important part of his life and he's dying. And with all of his power and all of his authority and all of his wealth and all of his connections, there's nothing he could do to heal his servant. And so many centurions, when they heard about Jesus coming into town, causing a bit of a stir, would have actually driven him out of town. But this centurion comes and humbly kneels before Jesus and says, will you heal my servant? And Jesus says, sure, just show me the way and I'll I'll come and, and heal him. And he's so humble, he says, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof, but you just give the word from a distance and I know my servant will be healed because I know you've got power and authority. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was, say it with me, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Jesus Christ, Son of the invisible God, Lord of heaven and earth, is astonished at someone's faith because they believed that he could do something that no one had ever seen before. You see, Jesus knew that he could heal from a distance. Jesus knew that he could heal a Gentile. But at this point in the gospel story, Jesus had never healed anyone from a distance before. And Jesus had never healed a Gentile before. But this man believes that Jesus can do something that no one in the community has ever seen before. And Jesus is astonished by his great faith. See, astonishing faith is when we believe for something that we've never seen before. Astonishing faith is when we believe for something that we've never been before. I said there was two times that Jesus is astonished in the, uh, in the gospel story. And the other one is in Nazareth uh, to start some ministry. And this is what the people of Nazareth say about him in Mark chapter 6. They say about Jesus, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. And he could not do, listen to this, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, in, in my book, that's a good day of ministry. But, but for Jesus, he couldn't do many miracles and there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Listen to what it says in verse 6. And he was astonished at their lack of faith. It's the only two times in the Gospels that Jesus is the Mazod. He's astonished at the great faith of a centurion who believes for what has never been seen before and he's astonished at the lack of faith in the people of his hometown and he couldn't do many miracles there. I don't know about you, 
But I'd like Jesus to be astonished at my great faith than at my lack of faith. Anybody else here at MCC would actually like Jesus to be astonished at your great faith. You know, the people of Nazareth, you know, they were bowed down before him and expected him to do what had never been seen before. You know, the people of Nazareth were so familiar with Jesus. He was just Judas and and Simon's brother. He was just the carpenter. You know, what, what can he do? The centurion knew that this man had power and authority. The thing that we often forget when we read these stories is the unnamed people in the communities that they're a part of. Because of the astonishing faith of a centurion, there was an unnamed servant who was the lack free from his afflictions to live again. And because of the lack of faith of the people of Nazareth, people stayed sick. People stayed bound up. People didn't receive the good news, the life-changing message of Jesus. I just want to encourage you, Meredith, on your eight-year anniversary as you look at all of the great things that God has done in the past. And I'd say right now, God has done something astonishing in this house. But, But as you look to the future, our faith, the faith in this room, actually impacts the lives of people in that community out there. The faith in this room, it actually impacts, you know, the lives of people on the Sunshine Coast and in this nation. Because I tell you, there's a day coming that that, that this church won't just have an impact on the postcode and the surrounding postcodes, but God's going to do something in this house. People are going to come from other states and other territories and they're going to come and see and they're going to come and soak up and they're going to come and learn. And and this is going to be a house. It's not just going to bless that postcode out there and that's really important. That'll always be important. But God has got a call, you know, on this church to be a blessing to our movement and to be a blessing to churches around this nation. Our faith actually has an impact on the people in our community. Jesus is still doing astonishing things. You heard about Graham talk about uh, Destiny Rescue before. You know, I remember standing outside a brothel in Phnom Penh, Cambodia in uh, 2008. I was there with a friend of mine to investigate what it would look like to establish a training centre for girls rescued from trafficking, girls that had been sold for their bodies at 12 years of age. And I was there for a week and it was just decided, to be honest, it was too hard and too much. And I was standing outside, uh, it might be a photo of this, this brothel with a, a young girl named Nita whose face is blurred out because she was sold for her body at 12 years of age. Brothel owner fell in love with her when she was 15. She had this little uh, baby daughter and the brothel owner said she too will be sold when she comes of age. And as I'm saying goodbye to them outside this horrible place where she still lived, I'm sitting in a tuk-tuk about to get on a plane back to comfortable uh, Brisbane. I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, do it for Nita. She's worth the effort. One of the great joys of my life over the last uh, 14 years has been watching Jesus heal over 250 girls who came to us dirt poor with no education and no job and they left 
with an education, with a job, with dignity, 223 girls have been baptised, put their faith in Jesus, and Jesus has healed them one day at a time. It's a constant reminder to me that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power for salvation for anyone who believes. And I tell you, we've seen astonishing moves of God in this nation in the past. You know, in a sport-mad nation, in a nation that worships, you know, the, uh, the God of sport, do you still know the biggest crowd that has ever gathered in a sporting stadium in Australia? It's in the MCG, 1959, Billy Graham crusade, 132,000 people. And in 1959, one third of the Australian population came to a sporting stadium somewhere in this nation to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there anyone in this room who put their faith in Jesus at 59, 69 or 79, Billy Graham crusade? Just stick your hand up. I knew there'd be some. Come on, give praise to Jesus this morning. We have seen, we have seen powerful moves of God in this nation before. We can see it again. You can see it in this house. We can see it in our our movement. I just want to encourage you today. Sometimes God moves powerfully just by a very simple step of astonishing faith. You know, this is how I knew my grandfather. When I was Aurelia's age, this was uh, my grandfather. This is the way I uh, remember him. But in 1952, my grandfather came back from Second World War fighting in New Guinea and never been to church and had no money and just uh, started his own, became a carpenter, started his own building company. He just wanted to get money. He just wanted to live the great Australian dream. He had no interest in church, had no interest in God. But living in the western suburbs of Sydney in a brand new housing estate, not dissimilar to this really, there were no fences. And my grandfather's name is Frank and he had a neighbour named Frank. And he's, there's Franks everywhere in 1952. <laughs> neighbour Frank was a Christian. And neighbour Frank kept walking into my grandfather Frank's backyard and saying, would you come to church with me? And my grandfather couldn't remember how many times he'd rejected him. But he remembers time after time he rejected his neighbour's invitation. But then one day in 1952, neighbour Frank came into my grandfather Frank's backyard and said, look, I've just bought a car. You've got to know, in 1952, my grandfather had never had a car, never driven a car. And neighbour Frank said, if you come to church with me tonight, I'll let you drive my car. (laughs) My grandfather changed his mind. And he went to church for the first time the 6th of July, 1952. I carry his baptism certificate with me everywhere I go. Because back then in the Churches of Christ, the day you put your faith in Jesus, you got baptised. And it says, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Believing this with all my heart and uh, believing wholly on the finished work of Jesus for salvation, I confess my faith in him at Epping Church of Christ on the Lord's Day, July the 6th, 1952. Frank Ellsmore, a sinner saved by grace.
My grandfather uh, passed away over 20 years ago. Hang on. It gets a little bit better. That was good. My grandfather passed away over 20 years ago. Now, my grandmother lived to the age of 99 and passed away just a month before COVID hit and we got to have a proper funeral. But we had to fight over who was going to lead her funeral because seven of us are full-time pastors somewhere in the church in Australia. And four generations, four generations gathered on her balcony after her funeral. Every single person was there. Every person is a follower of Jesus Christ serving somewhere in the church in Australia. How did that happen? Because one old dude named Frank kept walking into my grandfather's backyard and saying, Jesus means so much to me. Would you come to church with me to hear what he's done for you? And when he rejected him, he wouldn't give up. He just kept inviting him. And 70-something years later, my grandmother was a member of that church for 70 or 69 years until she died. 70 years later, now five generations of Jesus followers because of one simple invitation. I tell you, sometimes Jesus does something astonishing with a very simple step of faith into someone's backyard. Astonishing faith that actually begins with a humility before Jesus. Jesus says, pray and ask with a shameless audacity. I want to ask you this morning, how are you coming like the centurion to the foot of Jesus and praying with a shameless audacity, asking for something in this house, in your family, in this community that you've never seen before? So I believe we're going to see a move of God in this generation. I'm believing God is doing something in our nation at this time. And astonishing faith continues as you honour Jesus above all. Never get too familiar with Jesus like the people of Nazareth. Get intimate with him, but never get too familiar you know, he is a mysterious God. He's the image of the in invisible God. He was a carpenter. You know, Judas and Simon, you know, they were his brothers, but he was no ordinary man. He, he was a man who put on flesh and he came into this world and, and he showed us that he was God by healing the sick and, and, and calming the seas. And he stretched out his arms because of his extravagant love for us and allowed himself to be nailed to a cross to forgive your sin and to forgive my sin. But this is the most astonishing thing ever. And this is the thing that still changes our lives today. He was placed in a dark tomb. His dead body was taken down off that cross as a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. He was separated from his Father in heaven so that you'll never have to be separated from the love of God for all of eternity. Beyond the third day when the women went to anoint his dead body. The, the angels there and they're saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Jesus was no ordinary man. He is the risen King of Kings. He is Lord of all. He has power and authority in heaven and on earth. And he has power and authority to forgive your sins today. I'm just going to ask us all just to close our eyes and bow our heads 
for a moment. If you're here today on this special day in, in this church, this could be a really special day for you. If today is your day to put your faith in Jesus Christ, maybe someone's invited you, maybe you've just wandered in, just wondering what this big building's all about. Maybe you've been to church in the past, but you've wandered away from God. Maybe you're here for the very first time, but today you know is your day to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to ask Him to forgive your sins, to become your Lord and Saviour. Just while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if that's your decision today, you want to ask Jesus to forgive your sin today, you want to get right with God today, you want to put your faith in Jesus, you want to know that you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian today. Just while every eye is closed and head's bowed, I'm just going to get you to do a very simple act of faith today. Just raise your hand wherever you are and just say, I want to make that decision and I want to pray that prayer with you. God bless you. Good man. Who else today? Bless you. Right at the back. Bless you. That is awesome. Well done. Anybody else here today just saying, that's the decision I'm making today. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Okay, if that's you today, can I just encourage you? Just pray with me, just in the quietness of your own heart. Just pray along with me. Father God, thank you for always loving me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. And I ask today that you forgive my sin. And I choose today to follow Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together? Just encourage those who've made that decision. Dan's going to get up later and just tell you how you can get some resources in your hand just to start. Uh, following Jesus, just to encourage the best decision that you've ever made. But just before we sing our, our final song today, I'd, uh, I'd love to just to pray a blessing over you. If you today, you've got a prayer in your heart, it might be a prayer for your family, for God to do something astonishing in your family. It might be a prayer on this eighth anniversary here in this building as a, as a church, for God to do something astonishing in this church, something you've never seen before. But that you're believing for it. You're believing that God can do something astonishing. It might be a prayer out there. It might be for your business in the marketplace and just the, the, the light you want to shine for Christ in the secular world. Or, or, or maybe your prayer is really simple. You've got a Frank living next door to you and you're, not, you're going to have to jump the fence and it's going to take an astonishing leap of faith. But you, that's, it can be a, that's a big leap sometimes. I just love to pray for you. If you've got a, a prayer in your heart of just astonishing faith, believe in God to do something you've never seen before. I just love to pray that God would stir that faith in your heart and He'd give you courage to obey. If that's you today, just stand where you are. Just say, I got a prayer like that. I got a prayer for my family. I got a prayer for this church. I got a prayer for this community. Christ, encourage just to open your arms, just ready to receive. God, this morning, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we, we get to partner with you. Thank you for the privilege 
of walking hand in hand with you and, and seeing you continue to heal and to set free and to save. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the privilege. And God, I thank you for the dreams and visions you've put in hearts today for, for this church family, for this community, for our own family, for, for, for salvation to flow from generation to generation. And I know there's some people here today, there's a cry in your heart for prodigals to come home. God, would you stir faith, stir faith, would you come by your Spirit and revive faith in our hearts. And God, by your Spirit, Spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, God, would you give us those three things today? Fill us with power. Fill us with power and courage to obey. Father, fill us with love for people. We just can't help but keep telling people about Jesus because we just love them and we love Until we see it happen, I pray in Jesus' name. We see just many prayers of astonishing faith become reality. May you, God, be astonished at the great faith of Meriden Community Church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day and until next time, bless you.